Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to southern Africa and on 11925 kilohertz on the 25 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Amanda Machaka, Tabiso Lohoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories, in Africa rise and shine at the Sawa. Zimbabwean pastor urges President Emerson Nagawa to repent. And South Africa's ruling ANC leaders embark on door-to-door ca- election campaign. In economics news, South Africa to invest $1 billion US dollars in South Sudan and in sports news. Raja Casablanca beat V-Club in Confederation Cup final first leg. But first up, the news with Amanda Machaka. Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. Twelve people have been killed in a suspected Islamist attack in northern Mozambique. Police say thousands of villagers have fled into neighboring Tanzania. The attack took place in Nangane district where there are no security patrols. The attackers killed 12 people, mostly women and children. Kenyan police have identified three suspects in the kidnapping of an Italian woman. They are offering a reward of 9,000 U.S. dollars for information leading to their arrest. There has been no claim of responsibility for the first kidnapping of a foreigner in the East African nation in several years. Police have said they are optimistic the aid worker will be found within the shortest time possible. The 23-year-old Italian Silvia Costanza Romano was seized last week Tuesday from a coastal community by gunmen who also wounded five people, including children. Such attacks had become rare after 2011 when Kenya deployed forces to neighboring Somalia in a bid to stop the Al-Shabaab extremist group from kidnapping foreigners. The U.S. Embassy in Kinshasa says it has received information about a possible terrorist threat against its facilities in the Democratic Republic of Congo. With four weeks to go until a crucial election in the Central African nation, American authorities have urged its citizens to keep a low profile and said the embassy would be closed on Monday. After two years of setbacks, broken promises and delays, the DRC on Wednesday kicked off the campaign for a crucial election that could alleviate or worsen the decades-long crisis. Voters on December 23rd will choose a successor to outgoing President Joseph Kabila. South Africa's Minister for Women in the Presidency, Batabile Lamini, has made an impassioned plea to strategic NGOs and the general public to work with government in the fight against gender-based violence. She was unveiling plans for the annual 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children Abuse campaign under the theme hashtag HearMeToo in the capital Pretoria. Various civil society organizations, NGOs, as well as the Gender Commission National Heritage Council, Progressive Women's Movement and Church representatives pledged their support to the campaign. Lamini explains. We call upon all South Africans to hit the United Nations theme, hashtag hear me too, by breaking all forms of silence against all manners of abuses and violence against women. The hashtag hear me too theme 
symbolizes a collective appeal to society to hear women's pain and demands against gender-based violence. Hashtag HearMeToo is also a call to action to all victims, survivors, witnesses, and all other affected to continue to speak up. Meanwhile, a new study by the United Nations has found that more than half of the women who were murdered around the world last year were killed by their partners or family members. The BBC's Ekripa Pedi reports. The latest UN data found that over half of the 87,000 women killed in 2017 were killed by those closest to them. The BBC carried out research on how many women's killings on one day in 2018 were reported in the media around the world. Choosing a day at random, it found coverage on the killings of 47 women. This included 39-year-old Sandra Moura from Brazil, stabbed by her husband after she requested a separation. He then hanged himself after filming a confession on his phone. For Channel Africa News, I'm Amanda Machaga. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. The political landscape in Zimbabwe could be taking a new direction after the setting up of the Commission of Inquiry led by Khalima Mutlante. Former South Africa's president was chosen to lead the commission whose mandate is to investigate what transpired on the 1st of August resulting in the death of six people. During a Wednesday session in the capital, former ZANU-PF youth leader Jim Kunaka confessed to past atrocities, something local churches say President Nangagwa should emulate. Simon Muchama reports from Harare. When President Emerson Mnangagwa appointed a commission of inquiry led by former South African President Halema Montlate, Zimbabweans thought indeed the country was getting redeemed. Several witnesses have since appeared before the commission, but what is striking is the testimony last week by former ZANU-PF youth leader Jim Kunaka. Kunaka confessed to abductions and politically motivated attacks of the opposition activist. This is the first time such a gruesome testimony has been made during the inquiry. As a result, churches in Zimbabwe are now calling on President Mnangagwa to emulate Kunaka and repent for the good of the country. Bishop Anseli Momagaya of the Zimbabwe Divine Destiny made the call in Harare over the weekend. God has natural designs in place. Which natural designs, if they are not followed, you know, things will not be well. President Munangagwa is guilty of blood. Blood drips from his hands. He is guilty and um, God is not happy with him. Unless he repents, I insist, his tenure will be problematic. And I want to say this very, very clearly, President, repent or perish. I mean, this is very clear. He is associated with murder uh, from his past. And uh, what chance do you want to give him? There's no chance. He has been 
in power, I mean, together with uh, President Mugabe ever since time immemorial, 38 years ago, he, he has been in power. What, what, what chance does he require? He belongs to the past. And I would like to say that the hand that has destroyed will never, will never be entrusted for reconstruction. Similarly, Apostle Lukia Borerwe, leader of a movement called Zimbabwe Back to God, is calling for national prayers starting the 26th of November to 21st of December. She too urged Munangagwa to repent. Myself, I don't say things that I was not told. I'm here to speak repentance. Whatever President Nangogwa is doing, whatever his leadership, it's God who knows. I don't credit because God never told me anything. According to Jim Kunaka, ZANU-PF is capable of unleashing terror and blame the opposition. At least six people died of gunshots during some post-election disturbances in the capital on the 1st of August. Bishop Magaya said Mnangagwa might be redeemed only if he distances himself from his evil past. We pray that the journey he has just begun by distancing himself from the sordid past publicly can only end by being born again and getting a new leaf of life through Christ Jesus, the Savior of all mankind. In Arare, Zimbabwe for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemu. South Africa's ruling ANC Deputy President David Mabuza has been on a campaign trail in Muleji in Limpopo province. Mabuza was warmly welcomed into the homes of residents. Some ANC national executive members have also campaigned in Guiani, Mokopane and Toyando areas. In Guiani, the entourage led by Begikele had to negotiate its way through road barricades at Tomo village. Residents blockaded roads and demanded a tarred road. Jablan Baloy reports. ANC Deputy President David Mabuza has described his party's campaign at Moleji as Polokwani as a success. Some of the people who have interacted with Mabuza have expressed concern about factionalism and infighting within the governing party. Mabuza has acknowledged that infighting is a challenge for the party. People are happy about the ANC. They are only saying, no, 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 the ANC must stop fighting amongst itself. And we accept that criticism and we're saying we're going to attend to that. The chief has welcomed us. He's also telling us the same message that don't fight, concentrate on on the task at hand, unite the ANC. The ANC is our organization. In Kiani, angry residents from various villages blockaded the road with burning tires at Tomo village. Some protesters were not fully clothed as the sign of protest. Community spokesperson Helen Kuna says they are tired of empty promises. We came back to report to the communities, then the communities decided to say uh, if they want to make the door-to-door to us, they, they won't visit these uh, villages because they undermine us, they, 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 they don't care about us. Still remember uh, there were a lot of communities that were demanding uh, tar roads. Uh, we're the first one, we're the, priority, the first priority to the government, but still to date we, don't, we didn't uh, receive that, 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 that promises. ANC NEC member Jackson Mtimbu says they'll intervene to ensure that residents get clean drinking water. Residents at Taolome, Budia Hope and Good Hope say they've been without water for a long time. 
Ntembu wants the situation resolved soon. We are told that the project is almost done, but it will only pump water around February. We are saying people can't wait until February to get water. We will then be intervening to do whatever we can with the contractor and with other service providers so that water from this project can start flowing to the three villages. We have spoken to the mayor that let's have more tanks so that people don't drink water from one area with animals. Some community members have raised concern about the slow pace of service delivery, especially water and houses. A child-headed family of Fort Mulegi lives in a shirk. I was surprised hearing that um, somebody wants to help us and get through things with us because we were always stressed um, about our life because mama's not here anymore. So like I'm thankful and yeah, I wish more blessings for them. Mabuse has promised to fast check the provision of services including water and electricity. I'm Chablene Baloyi in Polokwane. South African Communist Party General Secretary Bladen Zamande says the EFF is afraid of the direction the State Capture Commission of Inquiry is taking. He says the party now realizes that the commission, led by Justice Raymond Zondo, will have teeth and implicate them in wrongdoing, including the alleged alignment with the VBS Bank. Last week, EFF leader Julius Malema lashed out at Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon and said he was an enabler of state capture. Nzamande was addressing the media in Benoni, east of Johannesburg, following a three-day Central Executive Committee meeting of the SACP. Abongile Dumako reports. Hundreds of EFF supporters gathered outside the Commission's venue, calling for Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon to be axed from Cabinet by President Cyril Ramaphosa. This, they say he was an enabler of state capture because he was a staunch supporter of former President Jacob Zuma. EFF leader Julius Malima has lashed out at Gordon, also questioning the way the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture is being directed. SACP's Dr. Blade Nzimande says they will go all out in support of the Commission and all those who take to the fore and give evidence. In fact, they've placed themselves at the center of those people who do not want to see progress the cleaning of state institutions that have been captured and so on. That is why they were shouting outside when Comrade Praveen was actually giving and threatening journalists and everybody because they themselves are afraid of where this Zondo Commission may go given their own history, including the thing that they've got to account for now. Zimand has reiterated his stance on the VPS Mutual Bank saying the SACP has never received any donations from the VBS but from the MML Food Services Company for their 14th National Congress in 2017. The SACP did not receive any donation from VBS or its shareholder Vele Investments. The SACP did receive a donation for our 14th National Congress in July 2017 from a company known as MML Food Services. At the time of receipt, the SACP had no knowledge of any relationship between MML and VBS. In response to our legal inquiry, we have since received written confirmation that MML is not a subsidiary of VBS. The Communist Party says the idea of contesting future elections still stands, 
but has vowed to continue engaging its alliance partners even though the alliance is not functioning effectively. I am Abongile Dumago in Johannesburg. Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu. We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people and we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country. Hashtag Mama Sisulu Centenary. Channel Africa. South Africa's Chief Justice Mukhweng Mukhweng has called on African leaders to play a leading role in the land debate. Mukhweng delivered the 14th Chief Albert Lutuli Memorial Lecture at the University of Guazulatal's Westville campus in Durban. Land reform has recently dominated South Africa's headlines ahead of next year's national election. Nongkululeko Shope attended the lecture and filed this report. The 14th Chief Albert Lutuli Lecture evolved in justices. That's the former president of the ANC, Chief Albert Lutuli, experienced along with his mysterious death. During his address, the Chief Justice emphasized the need to look at the land issue beyond the South African borders. It has always been and should always be about the entire African continent. We have thus committed ourselves to the well-being of the African continent It is therefore fitting that we pour our energies and collective wisdom in endeavors that would result in sensible, humane, and just land ownership patterns, sustainable and beneficial land use by all, shared prosperity and enduring peace. The major challenge that confronted almost all African countries is the land issue. Chief Justice Mkhweng Mkhweng says the apartheid era was primarily about the disposition of African people of their land and gross injustices that took place in relation to the land issue. Mkhweng shared some of Chief Albert Lutuli's thoughts on the land. As Chief Albert Lutuli put it, open quotes, one cannot separate the issue of race from the argument about ownership at present because one race insists on exclusive ownership, close quote. He went on to say, open quotes, with the exception of a small number of voices crying in the wilderness, the overwhelming majority of whites reply that South Africa is exclusively owned by three million whites. It does not stop either with ownership of land and wealth and participation in government. In this view, whites, because they are whites, extend their possession of ownership of the remaining 11 million people who are expected to regard themselves as fortunate to be allowed to live and breathe and work in a white man's country, close quote. This position obtained in virtually all African countries. As a result, land and wealth ownership in Africa is overwhelmingly in the hands of our former colonizers or their descendants. The family of the late former ANC President Albert Lutuli says they believe he was killed by the apartheid government. The family says an investigation into his mysterious death is expected to start next month. Lutuli's grandson, Mtunzi Lutuli, says the family needs closure, including the information on who issued an order for the killing of Lutuli. Chief Lutuli was not hit by a train. Uh, that was um, a lie, it was propaganda, that was 
desperate by the apartheid government at the time to conceal the fact that uh, he was actually murdered or assassinated by the apartheid uh, regime. As a family, we have always known that because uh, the circumstances surrounding his death simply did not add up. We've always known that uh, he was not hit by a train. We will be commencing with the investigations that will possibly lead to the opening of the inquest around his death. Those investigations will commence this coming December, so in a few weeks' time, in two weeks' time. So we hope that we and the whole world will know exactly what happened to Chief Lutul or how Chief Lutul died. The Chief Albert Lutul lecture attracted both young and old who listened attentively as the life of a Nobel Peace Laureate and the freedom fighter was remembered. I'm Nogule in Deben. The British government is to invest £50 million in an attempt to end female genital mutilation by 2030, claiming it is the single biggest investment to tackle the issue by an international donor. The money announced on Friday will go to grassroots programs working to stop the practice across Africa, where it is most prevalent. In Sudan, the money will be used to expand the Salima Initiative, set up in 2008 by the National Council for Child Welfare and UNICEF Sudan. Salima, whole in Arabic, runs 263 clubs at schools where girls, some of whom will will already have been cut to discuss FGM and their rights. The BBC's senior Africa correspondent and Soy reports from Sudan. It's celebration time in Sheikh Al-Basir village in Jazeera State, south of Khartoum. About 30 to 40 men are standing in a circle, dancing and singing. And they have every reason to celebrate. This village has completely turned its back on female genital mutilation. I'm told it hasn't been practiced since the 90s. In fact, nobody talks about it here anymore. It all started in 1983 when one man decided that was it for him and his family. Ahmed Mohammed used to work in Saudi Arabia. He found out that FGM was not practiced there. There was no religious connection. There are many reasons why it's wrong. Women died during the oppression. It causes young women not to have sexual desires. Our religion does not allow it. Therefore, we decided not to do it. My wife was under huge pressure to do it, but thankfully, she refused. His wife, Khadija, was shunned by neighbors, but not anymore. I met up with her at the local mosque in the company of 30 or so women. They used to try and scare me by saying, who is going to marry my girls? They will never get married. I said, I don't care. When the boys come along and want to marry them, their father said, he'll tell them our daughters are not cut, and if they don't want the girls, then they're free to leave. Behind me, a young woman opens up about her suffering. I was among the last to be circumcised in this village. I was born in 1989. I suffered a lot in my sexual life and childbirth, and I continue to suffer today. I'm not going to be like a normal girl who has not been cut. The women are now reciting verses from the Quran. Many people here use the holy book to justify FGM. 
but that's now being challenged by religious teachers in Sudan. I think female genital mutilation is against Islamic values and it causes health problems to the girls. We encourage the villagers nearby to follow us and they have. But it's midwives like Amira Abdul Rahman and mothers and grandmothers who continue to have the biggest say. They hold the key to ending the practice. Amira says she cut many girls, including her own daughters and granddaughters. But she stopped after a near-fatal incident. I made a big mistake. I wish God would forgive me too. The children saw me as if I was the angel of death. If I could speak to them, I would ask for forgiveness. Most girls here are cut young, at seven, eight, or even as young as three years of age. But there are efforts now, supported by British aid, to teach them early about the harmful effects of FGM. A group of seven preteens are performing a skit in front of their school, I mean Ella School, in Jazeera State, south of Khartoum. The performers are dressed in colorful scarves. They are part of what is called the Salima Project. This is a group of girls who have come together, they hold girls-only clubs, and they have declared that they will not be subjected to genital mutilation. Salima means as God intended. That report by the BBC's senior Africa correspondent, Anne Soy, in Sudan. South Africa's Minister for Women in the Presidency, Batabile Tamini, has made an impassioned plea to strategic NGOs and the general public to work with government in the fight against gender-based violence. She was unveiling plans for the annual 16 Days of Activism Against Women and Children Abuse campaign under the theme Hear Me Too in Pretoria. Various civil society organizations, NGOs, as well as the Gender Commission, National Heritage Council, Progressive Women's Movement and church representatives pledged their support to the campaign. Neo Makwiting reports. This year's annual 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence campaign will kick off tomorrow and run until the 10th of December. Speaking during the media briefing, Lamini urged the public to heed the United Nations theme, hashtag HearMeToo, by breaking all forms of silence and report cases of abuse and violence against women and children. We call upon all South Africans to heed the United Nations theme, hashtag HearMeToo, by breaking all forms of silence against all manners of abuses and violence against women. The hashtag HearMeToo theme symbolizes a collective appeal to society to hear women's pain and demands against gender-based violence. Hashtag HearMeToo is also a call to action to all victims, survivors, witnesses, and all other affected to continue to speak up in any manner about or against violence perpetrated against ourselves, our loved ones, those in our care, 
or a stranger. Minister Tlamini also called on women's organization and NGOs to voluntarily use the 16 days of activism to assist in compiling inclusive database for all victims and survivors of gender-based violence. We urge all women's organizations across the country, all community activists, academics, public servants, and concerned community members to consolidate their calendars for the 16 days of activism. We also urge women's organizations to continue to build and sustain indicators so that the state does not rely on the indicators of the police department alone. We need to have the true reflection of violence against women in our country. Zamini's sentiments were echoed by a Commission for Gender Equality member, Mbuiselo Bwota, who said the 16 Days Activism campaign needs support from all South Africans. Bwota says it is about time that silence is broken. What disables us is how we have normalized, how we have institutionalized violence as a way of life. And hashtag hear me too, seeks to go to, in fact, what is the problem? And the problem is that all of us must speak out. This government will not sort out violence against women on its own. So all of us must ensure that this ministry is supported, is capacitated, because when this ministry fails, all of us fail. Mandisa Munakadi is the executive member of Ili Talabantu, an NGO that deals with violence against women and children. She says the gender-based organization supports the 16 Days Activism Against Women and Children campaign. Munakadi says they are contemplating embarking on a march at the end of the month in Gugule to Cape Town as part of the activism against gender-based violence. Ilitalabant will having a big match on the 30th. Take back the night. This is our 21st annual event where we are claiming, reclaiming the night in Kukuletu, saying enough is enough. Hear me too. And justice for me too. Where we are saying to women and, and the community of Kukuletu, come up in numbers and support us to reclaim the night to say Enough is enough. Former ANC Youth League's National Task Team member and senior member of the South African Liaison Office, Reboni Tau, has encouraged more men to join programs to help eradicate gender-based violence. Tau says violence against women and children will be won when people start to break the silence and report cases to the authorities. So that foundation is very important that we, we need to also look at. I am Nemo Kuiting in Pretoria. Our headlines up next with Amanda Machaka. Good morning. In the headlines, 12 people killed in a suspected Islamist attack in northern Mozambique. 
Kenyan police identify three suspects in the kidnapping of an Italian woman and are offering a reward of 9,000 US dollars for information leading to their arrest. And the US embassy in Kinshasa says it has received information about a possible terrorist threat against its facilities in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I'll have details on these and other stories at the top of the hour. Hi, I'm Pulem Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. South Africa has among the highest rates of child mortality in the world. A recent Children's Institute report estimates that 34 in every 1,000 child die before their fifth birthday. Most of these deaths can be prevented through the combined efforts of the state and families. Kavani Pillay reports. Thirty-four out of every thousand children born alive die before their fifth birthday. And if we look at South Africa under five mortality, then you'll see that over the last 20 to 30 years, there has been very little change in neonatal survival. Access to quality health is a human right that every child is entitled to. Health refers to a state of complete physical, emotional, social and psychological well-being. But in South Africa, 60% of children who die are malnourished. 30% are severely malnourished and according to research, that figure hasn't changed in a decade. Dr. Neil McCarrow, Head of Pediatrics at the Department of Health in KwaZulu-Natal, says there's been no improvement in decreasing the number of neonatal deaths. If we then look at the under-5 mortality, you'll see in the first part of this century, South Africa was one of only 12 countries where the under-5 mortality increased. And round about 2005 to 2008, we managed to turn the corner and started bringing the under five mortality down. But that improvement has now plateaued. Other factors contributing toward the high mortality rate of children under five include diarrhea and pneumonia. But the Children's Institute points out that these deaths are largely preventable. If we look at what's come out of 
hospital mortality audits, then you see that about 36% of those deaths are associated with HIV, 31% of those children were severely malnourished, and a further 30% were underweight for age. That's the voice of Laurie Lake, a communication and education specialist at the Children's Institute in Cape Town. She adds that one in four children in South Africa is stunted. This means that children are chronically malnourished and therefore their height is impeded. Malnutrition is impacting on their cognitive development. It means they're less likely to do well at school, they're less likely to find employment, and you start to see a pattern of intergenerational inequality playing itself out. In South Africa, there is a national policy imperative to promote breastfeeding to improve child health and nutrition outcomes. The policy is a good one, but as Dr. McCarrow explains, the practice of it is poor. If we look at the nutritional status of children, in sub-Saharan Africa, 93% of children are exclusively breastfed. In South Africa, at 14 weeks, we have 32% of children are exclusively breastfed. So the nutritional support that children are receiving at home from mom is pretty limited. Section 27 of the Constitution of South Africa provides that everyone has the right to have access to healthcare services. In addition, Section 28 gives children the right to basic nutrition and basic healthcare services. Catherine Hall, senior researcher at the Children's Institute, elaborates. There are universal uh, approaches to nutrition, so for instance the fortification of foods like bread and salt, which is iodated, and then supplements such as zinc and vitamin A, which are administered through clinics. There's also, once children reach school, the National School Nutrition Program, which is rolled out in no-fee schools, reaching large numbers of children. And then families are, of course, responsible for ensuring that children have a well-balanced diet at home. Safe drinking water is also important for hydration, health and personal hygiene. According to minimum norms and standards, every household should have a reliable source of safe drinking water within 200 metres of the household. Catherine Hall points out the risks associated with children drinking poor quality water. The risks of not having safe piped water, that uh, rivers and streams and springs from which many households still collect water can be contaminated with E. coli, and that this has then huge implications for child health, for diarrhea, and in fact, I mean, diarrhea is an underlying factor in around a third of child deaths. At the recent UNICEF World Children's Day celebration, 15-year-old Latita Beile from the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy lamented the statistics, adding that she is well aware of what a balanced diet is. Getting the right portions, number one, and getting the right amount from each um, food group. So most of the time, 
these children may have access to food, but it's normally just carbohydrates or just carbohydrates and proteins or even very little of those carbohydrates and proteins, whereas it's supposed to be a holistic view on the nutritional meal and it's a holistic view on how different vitamins and minerals could help improve their growth process. So I believe that it's like a balance of all the different food groups. South African Communications and Broadcast Media Workers Union, CWU, and BIMAO have welcomed the appointment of Stella Dabeni Abrahams as the new Minister of Communications, Telecommunications, and Postal Services. CWU wants her to stand firmly against retrenchments at the South African Broadcasting Corporation and Telcom. Mercedes Percent tells us more. CWU Secretary-General Aubrey Chabalala says the union welcomes her appointment, saying she is not new in the sector. He says the union welcomes the fact that the minister is young, a woman, and has the capacity and capability to lead the communications and telecommunications industry. Chabalala says CWU wants to wish Ndabeni Abrams well and hopes that she will not disappoint the sector. Critically, in the sector as a whole, I think she, she has to stand firm and uh, oppose the retrenchment. Uh, firstly, in the main SAPC, a massive of 2001, we think that we have to move with a necessary speed to DTT so that we can be able to create position and uh, new post at SAPC instead of retrenching. We also expect her to take a firm stance against the telecom and retrenchment, but also review the, around the question of uh, corruption at Fentech that we have raised with the previous business. Bemau also welcomes her appointment and would like to see her urgent intervention to avert a possible crisis at the public broadcaster. Bemau president is Anas Dubuson. We want to congratulate the new minister uh, with her appointment. We believe that uh, she has worked hard. We believe that she's got a lot of energy and that she deserves, but it is however annoying that the, uh, in particular, the communications minister being replaced so frequently, we believe that that hampers the working of that particular department um, and uh, the sector in general. We also uh, believe that the new minister will uh, seriously look at the current situation at the SABC, where a lot of employees can lose their jobs, and that she would intervene and ensure that that process only proceeds up as a last resort. When she spoke on SAFM earlier, Ndabeni Abrams said she will engage all stakeholders at the SABC to urgently address the retrenchment challenges facing the public broadcaster. Unfortunately, I can't just have an opinion now because I need to get pressing from both sides. It's important to remember I'm a member of a caring government that seeks to say instead of creating unemployment, let's make sure that jobs are there. But also, as we are talking of jobs that must be secured, we've got to make sure that the organizations do not die at the expense of that. But it is in our interest to find a common goal whereby we say how do we mitigate against all those negatives that have a potential of destroying the same organization we're trying to protect. I'll be meeting with a DOC with the board and the union and the employees themselves to say, isn't there a way ensuring that both concerns are addressed? Ndabeni Abrams says she's expected to meet the SABC board and management when the parliamentary committee meets them next week. The committee is expected to have its scheduled meeting with the board and management in Johannesburg. That report by Mercedes Percent in Cape Town. An American-styled 
Adventurer and Christian missionary has been killed and buried by a tribe of hunter-gatherers on a remote island in the Indian Ocean where he had gone to proselytize. 26-year-old John Allen Chow was slain on North Sentinel Island, which is home to what is considered the last pre-Neolithic tribe in the world and typically out of bounds to visitors. Rana Sen has more from New Delhi. Indian Coast Guard boats were circling the island of India's Andaman archipelago where John Allen Chow was killed as he tried to convince world's most isolated tribe to embrace Christianity. Local Catholic leader George Kaliwailil said people who assisted the American to reach the island should be punished. This person, this misplaced person, completely crazy person, has done a total mistake. Those responsible should be punished, including the central government, which has relaxed the restrictions to the various islands of the Nicobar, Andaman Nicobar Islands, including the North Sentinel Island. There was a very strict restriction for any kind of tourists. The government recently lifted a ban on tourists visiting some of the islands, but the restrictions remain in place for North Sentinel. Andaman tour operator Akshar Rawat said Chao's misadventure was perhaps linked to his social media ambitions. The local administration, and I don't speak on behalf of them, but it is very, very difficult to travel to these parts of Andaman. With blazing red eyes to dance to raunchy Bollywood numbers. For Newsbreak, this is Zana Sen reporting from New Delhi. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Lohoku. Good morning. South Africa will invest 1 billion US dollars in South Sudan's oil sector, including the construction of a refinery. South Sudan's oil industry is dominated by Asian firms, including China National Petroleum Corporation, Malaysia's Petronas, and India's Oil and Natural Gas Corporation. The two countries signed a memorandum of understanding, which will also involve South Africa taking part in the exploration of several oil blocks. S&P Global Ratings has kept South Africa's foreign currency and local currency credit ratings at below investment grade on Friday. S&P says anemic economic growth in 2018 and sizable contingent liabilities continue to weigh on South Africa's fiscal prospects and debt burden. The long-term foreign currency rating stayed at double B, while the local currency rating stayed at double B+. Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has requested Namibia to support his country's bid to host the World Expo 2025. Abe's request came in the form of a letter delivered to President Eugene Gob by his ambassador Yoshifumi Okamura. Russia and Azerbaijan are the two countries also bidding to host the World Expo 2025. Kenyan Standard Gauge Railway freight trains are expected to haul 8 million tons of cargo by next year. This will be 25.8% of total throughout the port of Mombasa. Kenya Ports Authority Acting Manager Director uh, Daniel Manduku recently said the port was expected to handle about 31 million tons of cargo this year. 
Algeria's energy earnings rose 18.21% in the first 10 months of this year from the same period in 2017, pushing down the trade deficit by 58.65%. According to customs data, oil and gas exports, which accounted for 93.17% of total sales abroad, reached 31.795 billion US dollars, up from 26.896 billion US dollars in January October last year. The North African country has imposed import restrictions in an attempt to cut spending after a fall in energy revenues since 2014. The US dollar is trading at 1032 Botswana Pula, 1183 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, the US dollar is trading at 381 Brazilian roll, at 6620 Russian ruble, and at 7030 Indian rupee. 694 Chinese yuan, 1382 to the South African rand. It's also trading at 77 pence to the British pound, 88 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,222, platinum $841 pounds. The price of Brent crude oil is at $59.50 a barrel. It's Channel Africa. A sports update up next with Figle Lingwati. We're kicking off with football news at this hour. Raja Casablanca of Morocco scored three goals in 19 minutes to take a 3-0 lead over V-Club of the Democratic Republic of Congo last night after the Kev Confederations Cup final first league. Sofiane Rahimi broke the deadlock on 47th minute at a packed 65,000 capacity stadium Mohamed V in the Moroccan commercial capital and netted again just past the hour mark. Leading Confederation Cup scorer Mahmoud Benhalib lifted his season's total to 12 goals by converting a 66th-minute penalty to leave Raja favorably placed to win a sixth CAF title. In Sassol, sponsored by Banyana Banyana, go into the semifinals of the ongoing 2018 Women's AFCON top of Group A and without a loss in the group stages, an achievement they share with Cameroon, Group A winners. South Africa takes on Mali at the Cape Coast Stadium, while Nigeria will entertain Cameroon in what some have dubbed the final before the final at the Accra Sports Stadium. The semi-finals will be played on Tuesday. The winners of both matches will meet in the final at the Accra Sports Stadium on the 1st of December. The battle for the third place will take place a day earlier on the 30th of November in Cape Coast. And in rugby news, Springbok Women's Sevens captain Marithi Binar says competing in the International Invitational Tournament in Dubai next week is part of their preparation towards the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. Binar will lead the side in the absence of regular captain Zintlema Pupa. The national women's side also features six new players in Ayanda Malinga, Claudine Marei, Nogtula Nene, Courtney Kruner, Cesar Solonzi and Voice Ndou.
And in tennis news, South African double specialist Raven Klassen has summed up his year saying that he relishes his successful partnership with New Zealander Michael Venus after they reached five finals, notably the Wimbledon final and winning a title in Marseille. The year started off pretty slow because I, I changed parties at the end of last year, which, which happens quite often in the double game. And um, I started with a new player, um, Michael Venus from New Zealand. And things went sort of according to plan, you know, we, we knew that we could play well, but um, it would take time to get going. So we, uh, the first six months of the year was kind of slow taking. We were, we were playing okay, but not, um, not as good as we thought we could. And then sort of from Wimbledon through the rest of the season, we, we, we really started to play good tennis. And um, we ended up qualifying for London, which, is, which was the goal at the beginning of the year. So um, all in all, I'm, I'm happy with how the year went. But um, if I look back, there's probably two or three matches that I would uh, Love to take back and, and have another go because I think we left some, uh, some points out there on the table. Klassen says coming back home at this time of the year and enjoying some family time is always good for him, especially seeing his baby boy grow. Oh, yeah. I mean, coming home to Cape Town is always exciting. I, uh, when you start the season, it, it seems such a long ways away. And, and this year it's extra special because I can come home um, for a different reason, you know. I... I'm very fortunate that I, I get my wife and my, my son to travel with me um, during the year, but um, being at home with the family and, and him is, is quite exciting. And, uh, you know, he's, he's nearly a year old and, and kind of starting to stand around and about to walk. So exciting times ahead for the class and family um, at home too. And Marin Seric beat Francis Lucas Boulay in straight sets yesterday to give Croatia an unassailable lead in the Davis Cup final. Seric won 7-6-7-3 tie, 6-3 and 6-3 to dethrone defending champions France and secure Croatia's second Davis Cup, 13 years after their first. Boulay took Seric to a tie break in the first set but could not mount a challenge in the next two, losing in two hours, 19 minutes. Croatia won all three singles matches in straight sets. It was the last final in the traditional format before a radical reorganization of the venerable competition. And that's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at this, at this hour, Zimbabwe's Pastor urges a president Emerson Nangangwa to repent. And South Africa's ruling ANC leaders embark on door-to-door election campaign. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuto Ramagadza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org, WhatsApp on 277-6300327 or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is Jabu Kangile with a song title Sponky Ponky.
Dracula, the lover that you can't resist. 